I'm your host, Adam Schmell. And I'm Aaron Schroeder. That's right. This is the Quackville Podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web, Footosphere. Yeah, boy. Aaron, there's been some duck sports going on. Have you been watching them? I watched 25 minutes mm. of a recap okay. of a game that you sent me. Yes, that's right. Against the Golden Bears. Mm-hmm. That's and I didn't like watch. the outcome, and I was curious why you sent it to me. Well, because we're going to deep dive into that uh, terrible, no good, unfortunate Ugh. game. <laughs> Try to figure out what the hell is wrong with this team. Um, Started yeah. out strong. Got yeah. really bad. Really quick. bad. Turned got sour. A better. Eh? Stayed bad, though. Yeah, definitely bad. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, my friend, because I've been watching way too much duck sports. That includes women's basketball. That includes men's basketball. Uh, no baseball. I mean, baseball, I don't even think has started yet, but no softball. Uh, my brain is too small to comprehend that. So volleyball. we're pushing no volleyball. Bowling. Push, nope. No bowling, no golfing, <laughs> no tennis before you even before it even comes out of your mouth. I'm done. Right. I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, well, <laughs> no, no, but never badminton. That's my promise to you. All right. Um, but yeah, I will say that uh, uh, my brain is not big enough to to cover all this, and so we're sticking with with the round ball in the shooty hoop sport for now, and some football, as you'll be able to tell, because we got our man Hithliday coming in a little later. Uh, mm. but before then. We got, an, I mean, I'll just say it, an even better guest. I don't think Hit Layla since the beginning of these apps, so he won't know. <laughs> an even better guest. We've got Rob Wong coming up. Rob Wong of uh, Right for Cal, formerly of uh, the Golden Bear blog on SB Nation. I actually forget the name, but I mean, screw them. They're not even around anymore. So, Right for Cal, ATQ wow. South, as we used to call it. Um, they're coming up to really dive into this, I mean, historically. Bad game, I would say. Historically bad. Well, I mean, I think he'd probably say the opposite. Historically great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd probably go, yet another great game by the Cal Golden Bears. Well, that's what I want to really get into. I want to straight up ask him, are the Golden Bears suck, right? So what does that that's mean about what, us? It sounded like, from what the announcers were saying, that yes, mm -hmm. they've had a really bad streak. They suck. And, and maybe the last time us? they won was like Oregon State. Well, it was the week before. Yeah. We'll get into that, Aaron. Don't uh, worry. About okay. That. Now, I'll tell you this, my man. Uh, let's jump right into women's basketball because we're going to dive into men's basketball a little please, later please. here. Well, women's basketball, they had uh, an, an up and down week. More up than down. But the loss was a tough one to stomach. Let's get into it. Uh, so it started off against Wazoo. This was coming off of the Arizona games. Like, we lost to number eight Arizona. We got our asses kicked. 48-63. Uh, that was tough to stomach. Then we lost to Arizona State, which should not be a team we're losing to. Lost to them 49-55. Right. to 55, So it was closer, yeah. But, I mean... I don't know. The refs were refs suck, but the refs always suck. It was also we just I don't know. We weren't hitting our shots. Uh, our playmakers weren't making plays, and Sobley was getting mauled out there, which Jared. led to her missing the game against Washington State on February 9th. This is in Pullman, Washington. Shit was getting loose on the Palouse. Um, 
Well, this was the kind of beatdown we needed. We won this one 83 to 30. That's right. 83 to 30. That is a (laughs) whooping. Yeah. I mean, and it was early on, dude. We had a 21 to 2 lead to kick this bad boy off in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. We held them to a program record uh, for opponent field goal percentage because we held them down to 17.5% from the floor. So they weren't even hitting a fifth of their shots against us. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And the 30 points is actually the second fewest in school history ever allowed. So go Ducks, baby. Don't ask me the first because I didn't look it up. Aaron, I could see it in your eyes. You're about to do that. To be truthful with you, I zoned out. I had no idea what you said. <laughs> All right. Well, and your Rogers. Uh, well, I, a lot of this was like because our the people that we need to hit the three, we're hitting the three, and that's sure. going to be a problem here. I would like your any theories on if there's some kind of curse that's happened uh, in the city of Eugene, or maybe just at Matt Knight Arena, because specifically in that freaking court, man, on that court. We can not hit the deep ball. No one can. Barely our opponents can. I mean, not without being at a practice. Yeah, in practice, right? I'm sure. Because it's like, what are, they, what are they, what fundamentals are they running that it is like being the harbinger of death on throwing <laughs> from far away? Well, you know, like uh, on the road in Wazoo, Rogers was three of four. Pow Pow was uh, two of six. So, like, I mean, better than she had been. And then, like, Hurst was two of four. So, we had some players shooting pretty well. Maybe it's not a... Maybe the problem isn't that we can't make three-pointers, but there's another position on the court that is now lacking. And so, that additional amount of pressure on the three has shown... You know what I mean? I'll tell you that there's a lack of trying. It's just somewhere else. We're super weak and that is affecting this. Well, I kind of almost think it's the opposite is that they know we're missing open threes. And so they're going like, you know what? Let them go for that then because like our talent is more on the inside. I, you know, I at least like Sabali is like a sure threat basically every damn game. Sedona Prince is a very known threat. And it's becoming a lot harder for them when they're getting double teamed or just like the whole game plan focused on them. And then we're not helping them out with the deep threes. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe just get rid of the three point altogether. Fuck it. Some teams. I mean, a lot of other teams shoot it a lot less than us, both on both sides. Become a super pressure, like under the, under the goal, like just, Put everyone right there all <laughs> the time. You mean play some like true 1940s <laughs> yeah. level football uh, basketball out there? Look, yeah, sure. you got five people on the court. <laughs> if you put them back to back, they can all face five different directions unstoppable. Yeah. And so you're just giving them not only open, completely open threes, you're also giving them like just open basic jumpers and stuff like that. Well, what you've also got to, what you have to do though is the Mighty Ducks training where you put a lasso around them oh, and okay. make them learn how to move together. So hmm. wherever the ball is, you've got five people <laughs> right there, hands up like a two-handed t- monster. I'll tell you this, uh, on paper, that idea doesn't make sense, but in reality, I really don't think it would work. Picture so, it there's that. like 
the five players are like a mad mob in South Park. And it oh, like then the well, play I, makes total sense. At times, our defense looks like that. Uh, <laughs> specifically, when Oregon State was rallying back, because that's right, we had back-to-back games. What was once called the Civil War, but is no longer called the Civil War. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, one classic. day we will never have to reference it again. I can't wait until you do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> eventually we will no longer say that, but who knows? Uh, the Platy Natty if you will. Um, So both of these, we're going for that that long-loved trophy, mostly forgotten about, but recently loved anyways. Uh, We... It's super rare, even when we were at our absolute peak with Sabrina Ionescu and Hebert and all them. uh, It's super hard for us to win both these games. Right. Like, that that squad was able to do it once to actually sweep this series, I believe. Um, In this one, though, we started strong as hell. Because in the third quarter, we had a 48 to 34 lead. Uh, we were doing so well. We had outscored them in the first quarter. And so we were up. But then OSU had a, they took a one point lead, I do believe, by going on an 18 to three run. So defense wow. was optional. They must have thought, heard your plan there and incorporated it because they were just letting the Beavers do absolutely whatever they wanted to. <laughs> But well, luckily, my plan is that it'll work. <laughs> well, and so I, it's a everyone's plan giant ten armed monster. Everyone thinks their plan's gonna work. It's but. like because you get them closer, they mm-hmm. also get three feet taller. You know what I mean? It's like so a, you're saying like back like to back truly. situation, like back to back, like as working like a giant amoeba esque thing. Exactly, they become okay. like a star uh-huh. monster. Well, now that I'm really fully understanding what you're talking about, I think it makes less sense, actually. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. But the Ducks responded at 18 to three run by hitting seven straight shots in wow. the fourth quarter. Baby, that's what they need. That's what both these teams freaking need. Wait, so they in won the fourth that fourth quarter? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was the score at the beginning of the fourth? Beginning of the fourth, you're making me do basic math. Uh, they actually led. The Beavers led. Right. Uh, 52. Okay. To 51. Hmm. So they led by one? Yeah, they led by one point. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the one question you get this segment. Done. Uh, so, I'll see you when Hitler Day leaves. Yeah. Then, uh, so then they come to Eugene. This is actually, <clears throat> sorry for that, listeners. This is right before the Super Bowl, like right before the Super Bowl. It's kind of weird timing. It's like, I think the game started at 1 p.m. So it was kind of amazing. There's people there. West but Coast actually, time, 1 p.m. Yeah, West Coast time, one, the only, the true coast, right. the best coast. As as the halftime show for the Super Bowl proved, West Coast is the best coast, baby. Um, Dude, that, have Wow. Yeah, oh, it, it was, was amazing. Fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, nothing but G thing, baby. They didn't play that song, but that'd be good. Uh, here we go. They came to Eugene. It seemed like we were going to win it. Everything was in our favor, but we ended up losing this goddamn thing by six points, 68 to 62. Wow. We, tra- we trailed at the half 32 to 22. So we just came out just freaking dead, honestly. Um, and then this was nuts. Like 
once you get to Matt Knight, apparently, these last two games are on the road in pretty hostile environments. But once you get to Matt Knight, where this curse is put on us or something, yeah. we finished four of 21 from the three-point range. Four of 21. They should have shot one less and had it be just a little bit. They really should like have more fun it. for the internet. At least we would have had fun in this moment recapping it more than we are. Four of 21, that's not as funny. Yeah. Also, I mean, 420 is also not at four out of 20 would not be funny at all, but you could use it. You could use it. <laughs> People could toke up right now if they did four I mean, of 20. But it's just so that is truly gabosh. terrible, terrible yeah. ratio. Yeah. yeah. Get ready for some more of that, by the way. Um, but yeah, OSU yeah. went on a 13-0 run. Sound familiar? Uh, another run from them to end the first half. So they closed out that first half on a 13-0 run and then just kind of stiff-armed us. Um, yeah, I tell you, uh, Van Olhofen, Van Olhofen, I do love her name, 23 points, 12 rebounds from her. She killed it. They shot 45% um, from the floor, and they were 667 very close to the number of the beast uh, from three point land. So the beavers were just having a grand old time there. Okay. Meanwhile, Oregon was limited to 37% and were four of 21 from three point land. And they were 12 of 17 from the charity stripe, which is like, you know, it's like, it's tough to be a hundred percent from the, from free throws. But if they did hit all five, they, it would have been a one point game. Who knows how that happens? Just saying, <sighs> uh, yeah. Rogers was Oh, of five from three point land. Wow. And Sobley, uh, got 13 points. Prince was held to just two points in 17 minutes of play, two points and two rebounds. And she only shot the ball three times. Uh, that was a tough one. That was a gut punch. I did yep. not like it, but we won two out of the three. So I'm happy about that. At least if we win, I'm predicting two out of the three coming up here. Worse than that would stink. But um, because we got on February 16th on Wednesday, 4 p.m. at Eugene. Hopefully this curse isn't real because we got to go against UCLA. Mm -hmm. uh, then we got to go against California gonna play at Matt night. California, yeah, yeah. yeah. gonna yeah, play yeah. at Matt night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Golden Bears. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, and then after the Golden Bears, huge game, huge game. Throw it down, big woman. Uh, on ESPN two, number two, Stanford comes to Matt night, which I may get tickets for. Cause oh, really? I mean, it sounds fun. Maybe sit in the back. It's amazing. Stanford, Stanford really is your other favorite team. Don't say no. I would just. That's a historic game. That's a Why? historic game. Why well, am I missing a I mean, ferocity? Well, maybe we'll win. Maybe we'll win. Who knows? Okay. Uh, so that's where they're at. Uh, I don't know. Not not so bad. Like, uh, I wish they got to find it, that three point. It's, enough it's of the highlights that you gave. Mm -hmm. Makes it sound really bad. Yeah. Like I mean, really, really bad. I mean, we could have lost those two games. We could have lost in Corvallis. You know, we could. No, and like, point. it was interesting too, because they were kind of similar games. Like 
what we did to the Beavers and Corvallis, like allowed them to go on a little bit of a run. And then we answered with that last like fourth quarter push. They kind of did to us. <laughs> so I don't know. Hard to say. They're a tough team right now in the standings. However, we're still looking pretty damn good, which is really weird. We're second in the standings nine and four. Um, we're actually ahead of Arizona. I'm, I, I don't know who would win in the tiebreaker because we both won each game, but Right now we're second in the standings, so we okay. there's no chance of us catching up to Stanford, really, unless Stanford just bombs because they're twelve and zero in conference play. But a win would help our resume, help us stay in Oregon. Amen. The, yeah, March Madness that'd be good. Now let me really quickly tell you this, Aaron, jumping over to men's basketball before we invite our dear friend Rob on. Um. So we beat Stanford, who is not my favorite team. Take it back. We retract Stanford. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, we beat Stanford 68 to 60. Uh, Davion Harmon scored a season high 21 points. And then we really freaking needed him because actually we kept it like after getting really close against Utah for no real reason uh, and, and pulling out a win in that one. Against Stanford, it was still a pretty damn close game. Like it, they made it, they cut a 14 point lead down to five uh, in the closing minutes there. But we closed out better than we did, anyways. And thanks to Harmon, uh, we ended up winning and we avenged that December 12th loss to Stanford, which yeah. really kicked us in the, uh, you know, where's. Uh, so we avenged that three point loss and we, we were beating Stanford. And suddenly, Ducks had won 10 of their last 11 games. People were loving us. Uh, I was loving us. Suddenly we looked real good, you know? Uh, we went on... Uh, yeah, and so and so we were building... And not only that, but we were only a couple games behind Arizona. And UCLA was just losing left and right. We were coming up against Cal. Cal was a bad, bad team. They had won... So, yes, they were coming off of a win against the Beavers. But the right. Beavers are a bad team. Um, right. Before, before we played them, Cal had only, I think they beat Arizona State, who beat us, but overall is not a good team. They beat Oregon State, who's no good. And then they beat Oregon State again, heading in, you know, like just two days before coming over to Matt Knight. But still, we were heavily favored. And we're bringing on a Cal Golden Bears expert friend of the pod, ancient friend of ours. He's not old, but he's been on many times uh, to talk about what the hell just happened with them Golden Bears. That is right. Rob Wong of Right for Cal. Once again, we're all clapping. He's clapping too. Wait, the wait, place wait, is wait. looking great, first of all. Really leveled up. Looks amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Looks so legit. Yeah. Um, well, the first question we want to ask you before we uh, w- dived into this low point in Oregon basketball history is what do you think of the halftime show for the Super Bowl? As a 32-year-old? Yeah. I absolutely was... loved it. Right? I mean, that's <laughs> You can't beat that. You can't. I was jamming, like having a blast. I was like, oh, my God, this is a high school dance like, yeah. Oh my. Just, yes. It's just exactly a right from a high school dance. So 
Yeah, no absolutely. joke. Uh, I felt like I was leaning against a wall all over again. Um, I also my one criticism would have been like I would cut the fifty cent just to get another full chorus of like California. I would do. I would just cut no right out there. What you like? You can't the, cut an icon completely out. No, there was like four or five other icons up there. What are you talking about? Look, I'm I'm asking one question. Okay. Where was the Tupac uh, hologram? Everyone That's what I said. That. That's what <laughs> yeah. I said. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. I think, I think everybody the, got pissed after the last time they used it. <laughs> this this is, is the yeah. time to use it though. Yeah. This is the appropriate moment. You had yeah. the rock on. Like I you could have followed up with Tupac. You, exactly. You that was Dude. so funny. It, it seemed like the rock like snuck on the field <laughs> as they were getting ready. Like just to see them preparing for the kick in the background. <laughs> Speaking of halftime favorite thought of it was actually before it and they cut to the reporter who was like standing in the group with them mm-hmm. and like being like they're about to take the field blah 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 I think Maria Taylor if I remember yeah, yes I Maria Taylor, Taylor. Yeah. thank you and the great she puts Maria her Taylor. hand on Snoop and then Snoop <laughs> is just like who's touching me Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense he's probably yeah. high as hell at that point like he's getting ready also, for the show like, she had one opportunity to where it wouldn't be weird to touch a superstar, and she oh, did. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's exactly that's what Taylor. I would have done. That's the goat right there, Maria Taylor. I love yeah. Maria Taylor. One time, she said "addicted to quack" uh, on on a TV, and that blew my mind. Not mentioning the web- website, but in general, she said it. Oh, so we probably got a plug. Yeah. Okay, as like a sentence. Got yeah, it. as a cool thing to say. So she had no idea. Works. You could clip that. That works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I paid her 75 bucks on Cameo to do it. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, now let's get into the more depressing thing. Rob, yeah, well, the main some. the main question that we wanted answered, because I mean, for anyone who just decided not to watch it, which is good for you, um, Oregon got their absolute ass kicked after they they go up 10-5 and then they go into that first break and it seems like okay Cal's ready to roll over but <laughs> Golden Bears come out go on a 24 to 0 run and that is the game and I think kind of the more embarrassing thing for me was watching it was like Cal didn't play like amazingly at that point like they were they were doing great in that first half but once that lead was there, there was like all the opportunities in the world for like any team to go out there and kind of like cut into that lead. But like neither team was having it. So, Rob, I just wanted to know, like, how how bad is Cal right now, in your opinion? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, you said I was listening to you guys before and you said you guys had won 10 out of your last 11. We had lost 10 out of our last 11. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> So we hadn't won a single Pac-12 game since January 2nd against Arizona State. Wow. Arizona State that beat us, but yeah, no, they're not very good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we crushed them. We, it was a, I believe it's a 24 point game in that one too, where we just crushed them at home. Um, And then we just went on a terrorist, the second worst losing streak in the last five years. uh, Yeah. Outside of Viking Jones's, Infamous 16 game losing streak, I believe in 2018 or 2019. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, from what I understand, because I, you know, I'm kind of do it from a, a duck's eye view, if you will, not seeing the uh-huh. whole situation, but um, 
what I've definitely heard over and over is like Andre Kelly, who seems like he was the guy leading the offense, was injured against USC. And then basically the information I heard about Cal from that point on was kind of like, oh, they're done. They're kind of worse than done. Like, how has the team kind of been put together at that point? Like, have you seen flashes of anything where it's like, hey, maybe we can make a little Pac-12 tourney run or something like that? (laughs) Or is it truly like, oh, no, like, y'all must suck. (laughs) Like, yeah, I so here's the thing. Like, Mark Fox wants to play a grind it out type low possession type of basketball game, right? That's Mm -hmm. That's the style he wants to run. That style only works... If you have a guy that can get a bucket in the interior for you Mm -hmm. and do that, Andre Kelly was the guy. There were multiple games this year where he started off like five of five, six of six, seven of seven from the field was just outstanding. Um, Should have been on a lot of mentions, at least as like a top five player in the league or in the conference, at least just as a player, barring like win loss record, just because mm-hmm. of the numbers and the, and the stats he was putting up. Uh, and then in that SC game, like he comes down awkward on the ankle and then he's like hopping and then the, our team gets a steal and then they throw it to him oh, because they no. think he's cherry picking and oh. he grabs the ball and dunks it. Oh <laughs> man. And then he's, and then he's to the locker room and then he comes out, he sits or he's like standing on the sideline. And then the next game we see him in, the, in a protective boot. Two games later, they say he's out for the season. So like so basically, if you backtrack, let's let's SE game was what? Uh, Saturday, January 29th. I'm looking at the Ken Palm stuff here. Uh, My birthday. And so, oh, there you go. That's probably one of the reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it just it, it I don't I wouldn't say it like just bombed since then because we were already in the midst of the 10 game losing streak. Right. Right. So, so that's why it's hard for me to, to say like, Oh, Andre Kelly is the reason this season is tanking now when Mm. we were already seven games into a 10 game losing streak with him. (laughs) So uh, like, you know, our, our numbers aren't great. We're arguably like the bottom three, uh, not arguably we are a bottom three conference team. In most statistical categories, I think defensive efficiency is probably one of the only ones where we're in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just because of the style we play. We grind it out on low possessions and so on. So I'm just as surprised. You know, honestly, like I thought the Oregon trip was going to be a split. I thought we needed to beat Oregon State uh, just to stay somewhat not as a doormat of the conference. Mm-hmm. And like if you were to if you were to blindly give me the score, right? We beat Oregon State 63-61, we beat you guys 78-64. I'd be like, all right, we beat we beat Oregon State 78-64, and we somehow eked out a close right. one against you guys. Totally reverse and it have, makes more sense. Right. I would not have picked this. <laughs> I mean, my prediction was a split this week. So like to go two and oh in Oregon, our first time winning at Matthew Knight Arena, and like I don't know, I think they said since in eight years. Yeah, I, I think so, it's, yeah, I think it's in 2014. Yeah, yeah. Or I think it was the first time splitting both uh, the win or getting both wins in Oregon. Yeah, since about, yeah. around then, I believe. Yeah, uh, all of that I mean, makes me yeah. even more mad that we lost. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a blemish. You should never, you should never be happy more. if you beat us. Yeah, you yeah. can't be happy if you beat us or if you lose to us. Like, if there's there's no wins for you. Right. How, it does seem like I, I, I'm going to start really placing bets on like 
whenever it would be absolutely like like feel like kind of the worst thing of the season would be to lose to Cal right now. I think that's always going to be Cal's time to shine there. They're always going to come out and punch you in the face. And I Look, like I did I did the numbers. I'm looking okay. at the numbers here. All I right. did the numbers. <laughs> and uh it's so in that 10 game losing streak, all right? Uh, um our average point differential in those losses was 12.8. Out of the Ken Palm top 50 in those out of those 10 teams, which include SC, UCLA, uh, Wazoo, Arizona, um, LA and SC again, and then uh, Wazoo. So the only two teams you leave out are probably UW and, and Stanford. Their, our average differential against them was 12.5. So right. we're, we're losing like exactly the same, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of if you're playing a good team or a bad team. Um, is that our, good? Is that bad? <laughs> I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. And the and I looked at the largest lead each team had in all of those 10 games, and I gave an average of that. The largest uh-huh. lead at any point out of all those 10 games averaged out was 15.6. So it's not like we're – so like the 12.5, 12.8 differential is like, oh, maybe a chucked three with like two minutes left to go uh-huh. somehow goes in and it brings it down about 12 points. But, you know, we're sitting at – 15 points, you know, differential, which is weird because all those TV analyst guys are like, oh, you know, Cal's been in it. It's just been a few buckets away, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, are you, have you been watching our games? Yeah. Like, oh dear. No, no. The answer is no. <laughs> um, so yeah. Do you think there are many, how was Cal Twitter during the, after this Oregon win? Was it just like, kind of like at the very end, like didn't see the game, but hopping on for the walls or was this yeah. a real yeah, was- moment? <laughs> It was a lot of those tweets of like, not only tweets, but like comments on our site too, uh-huh. of like, just caught up finishing watching the game. Like I was doing something else. I had it recorded mm-hmm. and because we won, I like, I hopped back in to watch it. Um, and it was one of those like, wow, good win guys. But like, doesn't really change the narrative of the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like this, 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 it's not like a moral victory of like, oh, we're developing young guys. Like mm-hmm. Mark Fox kept around all of the guys that he possibly could over the last two years with like the COVID year and all that. And we're still playing this bad and arguably going to finish, you know, maybe with three or four conference wins when he had three last year and then seven the year before. You know, not a great trajectory by by any means. Um, so it's, I think everyone has the same idea, like as a community, um, of just like, I think it's time to move on, but no one's willing to like, just come out and say it. Uh, yeah, I and get it. so I mean, that's an expensive decision. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, well, I mean, uh, do you think, do you think there's a possibility that we're actually living in Bill Walton's like dream existence and that this is all actually just a way to get like seven or eight teams from the Pac-12 into the dance. Because can Cal be that one that, you know, maybe they make it to the Pac? They'd probably have to win the whole damn Pac-12. We have to win the whole thing, yeah. 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 Okay, so that's going to happen. And Oregon gets close enough there where we're going to still be alone. Like, everyone's coming in like 16 to like, you know, 13 seed. And then Arizona's high up there. UCLA. Well, the win, who the, knows, the yeah. win last night for you guys definitely helped. Like that was a must-win game for you guys. Ooh, yeah, you, you guys <laughs> real dicey, but you guys eked it out. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I don't know without with 
like the net ratings and like I'm pretty sure they take some of the Kempom stuff into consideration as well because it's mm-hmm. such good stats. Like who knows who gets in? I just know it's not us. <laughs> like <laughs> hey, never so. say that. Never say that. You're totally gonna win this Pac-12 tourney. <laughs> And people will be pissed that you're keeping around Fox. But um, <laughs> the only thing I need, the only thing I need from us is two years in a row now, two years in a row, we've knocked out Stanford out of the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. We'd appreciate it. That'd be lovely. So, yeah, we would love that again. That's the only thing we could lose in the second round. That's Honestly, if you me. could do that for women's basketball, too, that would really help us out. It's going to be that a little be, bit harder. Yeah. A little bit harder. <laughs> But I like our women's team a lot more than our men's team right now, at least how they're playing on the field or on I, the court. So it's been the season for for the Ducks has been like the second I'm like, OK, I'm kind of pissed at the men's team. I'm going to go back to my standby like women's basketball. They kind of piss me off and I go back to men's because it seems like things are going over there. They piss me off. So I'm just getting angrier and angrier at this team. You've got the you got the classic problem of trying to change lanes when you see traffic <laughs> doing better, and as soon as you get over there, it's fucked. You just got to stay in one lane, bro. Yeah, you got to stay in your lane. That's stay in my lane. lane. That's stay very lane. true. That's a That's... very good point. I'm gonna quit this <laughs> podcast. Actually, um, no, I, I think I think Cal's got a shot. I think they're gonna go all the way. Don't worry about it. Uh, oh, I've seen crazier. I've seen you, if you God. were to be like, okay, uh, top four of the end of the regular season, end of the regular okay. season here, who do you think is going to be there? Top four there. Cal, maybe find another one. <laughs> we're like eight games behind first like, yeah. <laughs> with, with like three games left. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it that. It may not be possible, uh, but yeah. You know what? I, I, I think... I think everyone who's watched enough Pac-12 basketball this year is like Arizona is like in a class of their own right now. Yeah, no um, joke. It's been fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're in a class of their own. So I think Arizona stays at number one. Two is the two. I think is the weird, like the the real battle. <laughs> yeah, because like UCLA, if they can somehow pick it back up to like clear out the the rest of their schedule, I think they're they're going to be right there. But then, like, UW made, like, this weird run, like, in, the, like, the top four, and I was super <laughs> confused. Um, and then Wazoo's sitting right there, too. You guys are sitting right there, too. So, like... USC beat SC UCLA. Like right there. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not even remembering SC. Like, so... Yeah. I mean, I think it's, ultimately it's going to be some mix of Arizona plus the two LA schools, and then one of either UW or you guys whoever wins out. I don't think Wazoo has enough gas right now mm-hmm. to get there. Like some of the, they're, I love their team. I absolutely love watching Washington State play. The two big guys are so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but no, no Williams has, has a really bad slump this year compared to what he was doing last year. So if he can, if, if he, I mean, you got to go with what your average is, right. And he's not doing well this year. I don't think they have enough depth there of perimeter shooting wise. Uh, well, except for flowers who was apparently shooting the lights out last night. So I know. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> well no, like this season for the men's basketball team, it just seems like no matter who we're playing against, like whether they're super high ranked or just like truly a team, we should wipe the floor with most of the time, unless we're getting blown out. Uh, it seems like we will do whatever we can to make sure it's a close game. Like the yeah. most ridiculous amounts of stupid turnovers and stuff. Kind of feels like watching uh, Oregon football's offense a little bit. <laughs> uh, or just in general. But we'll, offense of the past. Offense of the past. Yeah. Of the, offense of the past. We're going to it's we're gonna be so good now. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Everything's been solved. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, well, speaking of which, we, I don't. 
I don't know if we ever mentioned this uh, with you on the podcast. We certainly did on the podcast, but not with a Cal fan here. How many times have I made the joke of, oh, Justin Wilcox, he's just <laughs> he's just getting warmed up to be Oregon football's head coach. One day, the second we call him back, he will just be top dog and that'll be it. And then, supposedly, according to John Canzano, who's usually pretty reliable yeah. at the mm-hmm. end of everything. I mean, he's a good reporter. Um, yep. People hate him. Oh, duck fans do, <laughs> but... Uh, Good reporter has said that Justin Wilcox actually turned down the Oregon game, uh, the Oregon football uh, head coaching position. Mm. That is I, this player this can't status. Be true. Rob, this can't be true, can it? Have you have you talked to our man Justin Wilcox? Uh, I haven't talked to Justin Wilcox. <laughs> okay, I was just, uh, uh, but I have. But I have heard stories that he just yes, indeed did turn down the Oregon job. So. That is um, uh, why uh, money I mean, we pay. I, I, that is the theory, and this is this has got to be like I don't know. This is kind of money um, is always the answer. Well, it's always kind of an insult to Cal to put it this way too. But it just kind of felt like we must have really lowballed him an insulting amount of money. But that doesn't seem like that would be actually Oregon Smooth. Like they can immediately. No. How much you, is he getting paid right now over at Cal? I mean, I know we got him a pay raise. Yeah, uh, you did give us a pay raise. Uh, I haven't looked at his contract yet. I, it is in my email account. Um, but I, he did get a hefty pay raise. I don't think he's making. I don't want to. I don't want to like. He's make not up making random, Shaw money. We know. Oh, he's not, is anyone making Shaw money? <laughs> I, I don't know, think even Saban's making Shaw money. Well, with those results on the field, you know, you just yeah, gotta absolutely, pay top absolutely. Up. You gotta pay eight million dollars to a guy who loves the punt inside his inside the opponent's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. Oh goddamn. Are our coaches contracts renegotiated every season? Not every season, but not every not head coaches, but assistant coaches usually and coordinators are usually one or two years. Okay, because I was, yeah, I was almost starting to wonder like maybe it was like they wanted him to commit for too low a number for too long a time. Does he hate us? Is that possible? (laughs) Does he just hate us? I mean, do you? I I I have to ask you guys. Like, you guys are better, probably a better gauge at this. Do you think they they under like paid him like? We gave Cristobal X amount of money, so we're not going to pay at least that much for the next head coach. We're gonna we're gonna save some money and, I, and go a little I mean, under. It's it's. Uh, I would honestly just be pulling it out of my duck butt to say that I have <laughs> any idea what the number they offered him was, but they definitely offered him it, uh, and. I have no idea. I Maybe so he just hates the know. town. Maybe he hates <laughs> Eugene. Maybe. I mean, honestly, living in Berkeley sounds pretty. I live in Eugene right now. If I somehow got offered, like, you know, good job in Berkeley, Berkeley's a pretty nice spot. I'll think it over. And you keep off. saying it's not your favorite team. <laughs> no, I'm not talking. You can, I mean, Cal has been. I'll tell you this. I've said this for a long time to you, too. Cal's been my second favorite Pac-12 team. Yes. This is a fact. Colorado. The more and more I keep thinking about it, it's not mm. that I necessarily like. I mean, they're not that fun to watch lately. You'd have to root uh, for Carl Durrell. You, you, you understand yeah. this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like to root for the team that would really suck because they're just never going to go anywhere. That's going to be fun. It seems like, but 
to live in Boulder, I do keep thinking like if I was going to be a head coach, that would be my dream spot. And I'm locking that yes. job down. The pressure's not too high. And yeah. that is, I, I would love to be Carl Durrell's one. Ooh, Boulder <laughs> is awesome. You been there? Fuck yeah. I've never been there even. I've That's never been to Boulder. Oh I've heard good things. Yeah. I'd love to go. All three well, of I mean, us. There maybe, was a time where we it should was, go. you know, the closest weed haven in the South. Yeah, that's true. Well, wow. That's, look at you. That's how you know. That's how you Buds, baby. <laughs> Boulder Buds. Um, so, so, and you have no theory on why Justin Wilcox has spurned us. Look, I, I know the first time around was a few years ago when Cristobal, that cycle where he was going to get hired. I know they asked Wilcox um, then as well. Mm-hmm. And he said no. And my my personal gut feeling on that was, OK, he might say no now because he's still getting settled here as a head coach. Right. Like wants to do a little bit more. And then maybe come another couple of years, if he has some success here and Oregon comes calling, he might say yes, because, you know, it's his alma mater and all. I did not Five expect year plan. him. Right. <laughs> right. I did not expect him to parlay the Oregon gig into a raise here. Like that is that wasn't up on my bingo card of stuff that could possibly happen, but he did it. That's the hardest part for us Cal fans to like kind of come to terms with is mm-hmm. there's half of us that are like, we have a guy that wants to be here. That that has to mean something right? that wants to be in Berkeley with all of the, Sounds the X's nice. and O's off the field, you know, that you have to go through to get players in and, and so on. Like you have a coach that wants to be here and isn't looking for other like the next potential promotion like that has to mean something. But at the same time, the results on the field have to come for us to be OK with it, like. Are we okay with six and six and seven and six on average, like every single year? <laughs> I don't know, because you're probably going to want more. I mean, grass is always greener, right? So, like, right. If you're a if you're a four and eight team every year, and then you get to six and six every year, you're like, oh, this is good. And then you know, a few years down the road, you're like, no, 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 but I I want the eight and four. <laughs> yeah. So I that's what I don't know. I just don't know like where where this is going to go. But it is like. It is pretty hilarious, like just seeing <laughs> Oregon fans just like lose their minds, saying like, "There's no way we offered him a job." Like, you know, yeah. if he's gonna if he's gonna turn it down like that. Like, I mean, I know for a fact that he interviewed. Like, I don't know any of the other facts beyond that, but I do know for a fact that he interviewed. What went on beyond that? Who knows? Like the John Canzano story is like. Uh, was it John Canzano or was it John Wilner's story where it said something along oh, the lines? Oh, maybe John. I get my Johns mixed up all the time. Yeah, yeah. You, your guys' relationship with John Canzano is our relationship with John Wilner. Because John Wilner kept, uh, kept putting Wilcox next to the Oregon job's name. He's like, oh, he's going to take it. 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 We're like, no. it's No, no. Um, that Man, the yeah. hate for for uh wilcox was ridiculous from oregon fans like was so ridiculous because they were just like that a lot of people treating it as if it was the worst case scenario is that we could get a wilcox and i can understand why people would not be thrilled but like people were treating it as if as if he had this truly terrible reputation and then for him to turn this down i mean even as duck fans you, you gotta we see it, that that's funny as hell. It's all starting to make more sense, though, now that we've talked about it, because it works like this. He takes the interview based off what he learns in the interview. He now knows I can just go home and get a pay bump and not have to worry about moving. And then two years from now, if I want to move, 
I'm going to get 10% on top of this pay bump. Well, he's just playing go. fucking, he's just trying to retire, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe he's just like, racing to the fucking retirement line. That's all. Playing Sounds the game. Job. J-O-B. I mean, my, my like personal take on Wilcox is just, he's such a big football guy. Like that's mm-hmm. all he really cares about. Like, the stories of him he doesn't even have a tv at home like he's just like it's just basically football on his ipad like that's what he lives and dies with and goes to sleep with so like if i were to if if you were to tell me to write like a novel on this i would probably say like wilcox has been in probably some of the most high profile programs in the country right he was at tennessee Mm -hmm. he was at sc he was at uw he was at wisconsin right um and I don't think he wants to be in those high like spotlight type of programs anymore. Like he wants to be a guy that just builds quietly without like the raging expectations of fans and media every single year Mm. and just something that he can quietly build up to his own liking and success. You know, granted, it's on par with what the athletic department wants as well. Right. Mm. Um, So if that's in in tandem then he can go about his business without having to deal with all of that, you know, surrounding him every single day, week, year. And Fair so enough. Berkeley gives Berkeley gives that to you. It gives you a power five school. It gives you some a power five school program with some history behind it. You can recruit here. Well, if you know, if you can recruit, uh, you know, in the Bay Area and, you know, it's it's a nice paying gig. Yeah. You know what? I'm back. I'm back on the Berkeley bandwagon. Golden Bears, you've been upgraded to number two. Um, <laughs> but Rob, uh, before we before you let you go, uh, I wanted to ask what's going on right now at Right for Cal. What are y'all covering? What are you diving into right now? Anything you're excited well, about? Well, we were covering a ten loss streak for the men's basketball team. <laughs> Which is always fun. Uh, yeah. It's kind of fun, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, uh, our our uh, editor-in-chief and the guy who's been doing all the recaps this year, God bless his soul. Um, <laughs> That's tough. He, That's a tough he, beat, man. <laughs> it is. And I was texting with him and his response to me after, like, I think it was the Stanford loss. He was like, I don't know how many more times, like how many more ver- or for, of how many more variety of ways I can say we lost by double digits. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> There's not more synonyms I can pull out of the thesaurus to try mm-hmm. to, you know, add mm-hmm. more words. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, we are on a two game win streak now. Um, Hell yeah. So we're coming Both Oregon teams. Yeah. And then uh, we're coming in the women's team. And then, of course, with spring ball coming up in April, we're getting geared up for that. Uh, and that's kind of where we're at. It's kind of a lull in the in the season because it's like right before March Madness. And you know, it's just the end of the conference season. So, well, uh, we know there's going to be a huge uptick uh, when they f- win that Pac-12 tourney, <laughs> make it to the tournament and blow everybody's mind. Oh, uh, it's going to be a glorious moment. Yeah, or we will not. We'll, not me. We'll probably switch over to just fully be a Golden Bears podcast at that point. Oh, uh, Lord. It's the o- this may be the only time we play each other unless we hopefully not. I don't want to meet y'all in the Pac-12 tournament because, like you said, win or lose, there's no winning against Cal. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you beat us, it should have been a win. And if you lose to us, that also should have been a win. <laughs> I love it. It's kind of like there's no, uh, you know, like not wasting your time by coming on the Quack 12 podcast. It's going to be a drag no matter what. Rob, we love having you on. 
and we'll figure out some weird reason to have you back on sometime. <laughs> well, we're all we're always thinking of more creative crap to do, so we'll figure it out. It's always sounds, fun, guys. Sounds rad. All right, and sayonara, my friend. Once again, <laughs> Rob Eleven Wong R O B one one H W A N G and at right for F O R Cal C A L. You should know that. Um, we love you, buddy. We'll we'll, we'll get you back on somehow. <laughs> See you later, guys. Oh, Aaron, it's good to laugh. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that was, was a, a wonderful, convo. wonderful convo with our dear friend Rob once again. But uh, we actually have another one of our, I would say the best guests we've ever had, actually. Rob's not here. He doesn't, he won't listen this far into it. The best guest we've ever had, period. One of the best convos to be had, if I must say. Absolutely. Everyone's clamoring for this a person. A convoer to end all convos. And we'll end this podcast. So uh, if anything proves right, that. Right. This episode will. Um, we've got the one, the only managing editor of Addicted to Quack, which is your number one Oregon Ducks fan site coming to you from Sports uh, Sports Nation. Oh, wow. SB Nation. It's been so long since I've been there. Day one H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y. The number one is where you can find him on Twitter. How is it going, Day? Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, I, the, it's been an interesting, uh, time. I, we've basically just been whipping the basketball writers to, uh, you know, actually, <laughs> uh, talk about this team and, and, uh, it is sometimes challenging, but usually rewarding. Yeah. It's, I, it's been kind of tough the way we were just talking about this, the way the losses have lined up with the women's basketball team and the men's basketball team, where we're not really getting momentum at the same time from right. either team. And so right when I want to go like, you know, get a little comfort from the other side, uh, we'll blow a game against the Beavers or we'll uh, lose to a terrible Cal team, which by the way, if we talked to Rob, we wanted to know if, you know, is Cal truly, truly, truly bad? And what does that mean about us? Uh, is there any <laughs> glimmer of hope on that Cal Golden Bear roster? And basically, Rob said, no, we suck. So y'all <laughs> must suck, too. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with uh, some of that. Stay. I, I don't know. I, I definitely agree <laughs> that Cal sucks. I, I definitely don't think that Cal <laughs> will, like... You know, Cal Cal didn't like really turn a corner in that game, and Oregon was surprised. You know, that's not really the description. Just Oregon couldn't sink a three, and it was just crazy. Like it, it was like I, you know, it, it was funny because the women blew out Washington State like a couple days mm-hmm. prior. Oh yeah, and like I watched that game, and it, it was like you know I think Oregon's uh, women's basketball team's defense is pretty good, but like really that game was much more about how just Washington State could not sink a shot at all and like I, I made a comment somewhere that was like this might be the worst you know performance from the floor that i've ever seen from an organized basketball team and it was like i i shouldn't have said that out loud because the cosmos is like hold my beer like uh, let's, <laughs> let's see if we can make the ducks just be the the worst shooting team you've ever seen uh, like oh my god um i on the other hand like i kind of don't think it means anything you know it's just like every mm-hmm. like basketball's a long enough season that like one horrifically bad night it's sort of contained to just being one horrifically bad night you know like you know oregon's still in a position where if you know and it's still a talented enough team that like look if they beat arizona on saturday they're sort of like okay fine you know whatever yeah you know they're 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 on the bubble 
you know, or they have a, mm-hmm. an alternate route through winning the Pac-12 tournament, which like it's Dana Altman. So like, I don't know, I give them like 60% odds of doing that. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it feels shocking in the moment. Um, but you know, it's still a t- like, I, 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 I haven't like written the team off. I guess I'll put it that way. Like, uh, and it's probably a bad idea to ever write off Dana Altman team. So. Yeah. Um, Aaron, have you written them off? You watched basically this game, uh, yeah. Oregon Cal. It was hard to watch, but I made you watch it. Yeah. Uh, what are your, just quickly, just to put a little button on it. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, it's a team that I don't want to watch. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you've proven that by being on this podcast and yeah. week after week, not watching them. <laughs> but uh, anyways, just talking about them or being talked at but we're not here to talk about those damn basketball games anymore because they cannot no, hurt us. They're in the past. We beat Washington State. Don't ask how. Um, but we're here to recap a, a different season that had its has had its wonderful ups, some some tough, mediocre kind of you know plateaus, and then every once in a while a little bit of a low. But overall, a good season. Uh, that's right, the 2021 Oregon football season, specifically because Hithla Day you wrote two very good articles that came out uh, not too long ago. Over on Addicted to Quack, we will be linking both of these, by the way. Uh, Oregon Football 2021 Defensive Statistical Review. And then you've got its corresponding piece on the offense. Both of them were good at just kind of like, hey, it's it, it's been a while. Like, uh, you know, we're for, far enough away from all the strange things, whether it be like injury uh, to key positions or to, you know, people transferring out because it's a bowl game or, or such like that, um, that I thought both these articles really actually, I don't know, they, they, they reaffirmed kind of a lot of what I would think, you know, but wasn't really able to put, get uh, to, to place kind of while watching it. And I, one thing I thought was very interesting is that there's a lot of, comparison to the 2019 season and i imagine that is mainly because the 2020 season is just kind of a wild variable why do that yeah but it it also just made a very interesting piece just to really be thinking about like you know we do think of this 2019 season is is a very good season because they won the rose bowl um but there were some similar kind of like crystallisms that kind of bled through both of them. Hmm. Uh, did anything kind of surprise you when you were comparing, you know, two seasons ago to now? Um, let's see surprises. The, I, the biggest surprise, well, th- I, I knew this, but it was a surprise to sort of relearn it, which is that the 2019, uh, Oregon team, was not a very efficient passing team. They're actually below water yeah. in their per play passing efficiency. Um, uh, just to refresh people's memories or for those who don't know, I, 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 you know, I chart every game, right. And like, uh, and, and one of the things that's pretty easy to do when you chart the game and exclude garbage time is, you know, you, you look at the down and distance and, and you can calculate, you know, a basic success rate, like, okay, it's first and 10, you need to get this many yards in order to, to, to set up second and medium, right. Or, you know, and, and so if you, 
you know, or like it's third and one, well, you only need one and a half yards in order to, you know, convert and that constitutes success. And so even though a one and a half yard run in a lot of circumstances would not be successful, like on third and one, yeah, good enough. So anyway, um, uh, you know, I calculate the, the per play success rate in Oregon in 2019, um, was, you know, had a decently explosive passing offense. Um, and, uh, but just in terms of efficiency was not, good like at all was was below 50 percent um and you know b- basic metric is that like you know 50 percent is average so below 50 percent is below average and 60 percent is you know championship caliber so they were like you know it had oregon you know not biffed it against auburn or, or um arizona state and made it to the playoffs i'd fully expect that team sort of you know to lose handily uh, in the yeah. playoffs simply because they would have like snuck in and not really been a championship quality, you know, <laughs> caliber team for that reason alone, you know, the, the, the you know, and, and so sort of a surprise was that in 2021, Oregon's passing, passing efficiency was also not good. And it was, you know, the biggest problem, you know, with the team on, on the offensive side of the ball, but it was actually like two points better or two or three points better than that Justin Herbert team. Um, And the reason is basically like almost, you know, almost all of their passing stats are like identical um, between 2019 and 2021. Now the schemes are a little bit different. Um, Oregon's um, a big part of it is that Oregon's, um, skill position personnel is better in 2021 than it was in 2019. So here I'm referring to the, the wide receiver core was just straight up better in 2021. Um, the tight end situation was a lot better. Like they, you know, Ferguson, Matavau, the two true freshmen are just, it's phenomenal to have them. You're going to be enjoying watching those guys for years to come. Um, they already surpassed, you know, the, 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 the third or fourth year player, Spencer Webb, uh, yeah. you know, and not just in pass catching, but in, in like blocking ability and, and as tr- true freshmen and that both of them are doing it. It's just like the way to go. You know, that's, that's really excellent. Um, the offensive line performance for Oregon was a little bit worse than in 2019, but that's probably to be expected. The 2019 performance was like elite. It was one of the best offensive lines I've ever seen. And given the injury situation and sort of the crazy rotations and, and um, you know, for the 2021 line, in fact, they had to replace them all for 2020. And then 2020 was like a crazy year, which, you know, probably hindered development a little bit. Like the offensive line performed just fine. Like basically it all sort of evened out. Um, and, and, you know, that's fine. And and it's probably the case that Oregon performed a little better, largely because of the wide receiver core was a little bit better. But like mm-hmm. Anthony Brown in 2021 versus Justin Herbert in 2019, <laughs> their passing efficiency numbers are very similar. Um, and I know that, you know, Justin Herbert's been killing it with the Chargers, but like, you know, and people don't want to remember this or anything, but like he was he was very inconsistent. I mean, that's the thing is the, is the <laughs> yes. inconsistent. And that's the other thing about Anthony Reach. Brown is that, you know, for everybody who's like, this guy's the worst quarterback that Oregon's ever had. Like, no, like not really. He's very inconsistent. Like the stuff that he, you know, when he was hitting his passes, he was really hitting his passes. They were good looking passes. And like, you know, every week I'd put in my articles, like here's a bunch of good Anthony Brown passes. And then <laughs> the next video would be like, and here's a bunch of like, what the hell dudes. But like, but people got to remember, like Justin Herbert was doing the what the hell dude stuff in 2019 as well. Like, Constantly. Uh, you know, yeah. It's just, it's inconsistency. And, and sort of the conclusion that I've reached, um, and I mean, I'm never going to be able to prove this, but it's just, it's the theory that fits the data best. Adam, a second ago, you said the Cristobalisms were sneaking in. And I mean, I, I, I do not want to be 
I don't want to be that guy who's like, no, 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 Mario Cristobal was a great coach, and, and how dare you besmirch his name? I don't care. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to be his defender uh, uh-huh. or anything. I, I'm just I'm here to tell you what theories fit the data best and what theories don't fit the data particularly well. And the uh-huh. the Mario Cristobal bane of the offense theory does not fit the data very well. What fits the mm-hmm. data really well is Oregon has had really uh, – uh, ineffective quarterback coaching for the four mm. years under Mario Cristobal, which like, yeah, indirectly that is, his, I mean, it's not directly his responsibility because he's not coaching the quarterbacks, right? Like he was an offensive yeah. lineman. Like, what does he know about like training a quarterback to do? You know, the, the thing about, you know, Cristobal, where I really do think he was really excellent at is he's a, as a staff and personnel and roster manager. I really think he's yeah. excellent. Like I, I, I mean, really, even now he's doing a great job at I, Miami. I, I it took just, him a little while, but I honestly yeah. think he is doing a great job at Miami. To yeah. be honest, like, I know that there's a, probably a lot of Oregon fans who are still a, a you know, up in their emotions about it and don't want to, don't want to see that, but I kind of think he's doing a great job, but you know what I, mean, I think yeah. is sneakily the, like the best thing that he did at What's Miami that? so far is that he hired Josh Gaddis from Michigan to be the play caller and only the play caller. And then he hired, mm. um, the, the OC from app state. Um, I forget his first name. His last name is Ponce, uh, to only be the quarterbacks coach. And here's mm. the thing that's really interesting, uh, in my opinion is that, um, the, what you hire a quarterback's coach to do is to iron out those inconsistencies. It's to get a talented quarterback to always and consistently play at yeah. his talent level. It's not to take a, you know, a two-star pile of mud and sculpt him into a Heisman candidate. Nobody can do that. That's not the quarterback's job or a quarterback coach's job. The quarterback coach's job is to take your very good quarterback and to make him very good on every play. And Oregon was not getting that for two years out of Marcus Royo, and they were not getting that for two years or one and a half year out of Joe Moorhead. And that, so in the Pac-12, it's very common for the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach to be the same guy. And so people don't really question it. Mm-hmm. But like it didn't work out for Oregon. And I think if you look at their history, I, I know that I'm sort of known as sort of like a latter day defender of a Marcus Royo's play calling. I didn't love it. I love Joe Moorhead's play calling. Uh, <laughs> but like, but I, I didn't think that was really the bottleneck. I thought the bottleneck was Justin Herbert's performance, which still goes back to Marcus Royo because I don't think he was a very good quarterback's coach. And if you look at the rest of his career, both before and after Oregon, I think it really backs up. That, like that dude does not get <laughs> quarterbacks to play at their level consistently. And I also think that's true of Joe Moorhead. I love him as a play caller. But if you look at his career, it's there's a lot of red flags about quarterback development for Joe Moorhead. Mm. So anyway, Mario Cristobal, like I said, I think he's a pretty good staff manager. And one of the things about Mario Cristobal is that he fired just about everybody on his staff at one point or another, right? Like, <laughs> like he, yeah. you know, I think I was joking around with with Gaby a, a, a year or two ago, but like Mario Cristobal is like Doctor Evil. He's like constantly, you know, dropping the henchman to the fiery shark pit or whatever. Like, oh yeah, you right. failed me for the last time, you know, and and. Uh-huh. Um, and the one position where he never, he said every single position, right? Like you name other than Joe Salavea, defensive line, like he turned over everybody yeah. on his staff mm-hmm. because, you know, they failed him, you know, for one reason or another. The Vader style. Yeah. Like the four uh, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you know, with the exception of Joe Salavea and the other exception is the quarterbacks coaches. Like that's, that appeared to be mm. Mario Cristobal's real staff blind spot is that if he was getting poor quarterback coaching, he didn't know it or couldn't bring himself to pull the trigger to make a change there. And what does he do at Miami? Mm. He hires an independent quarterbacks coach. All that Gaddis is going to do is call the plays. And all that Ponce is going to do is, is coach the quarterbacks. And that feels like recognition of an error and trying to correct it. 
which again, I don't want to be known as Mario Cristobal's greatest defender, but I think it is an appropriate reaction to the data. Um, the data being that Oregon never really got consistent quarterback play. And again, going back to the numbers, I will finally wrap up the lay ask question again, uh, is that like the numbers are very, very clear that that is the whole, that was the whole in Oregon's offense in 2021 and in 2019 uh, was that like their passing efficiency, like when they were hitting passes, they were doing great but they were inconsistent at hitting passes. And when you break down, why were they failing on passes, where the disproportionate number is, where the pothole to be filled in was, was, you know, both things that the quarterback has to do, you know, a throw accurate passes and B, you know, read the field and, and throw it to the right guy. And, and on both of those questions, both of these quarterbacks were very inconsistent at, and that's the hole. And that's what has to be filled in and looking forward for, you know, Oregon in 22, like, they bring back everybody like, I, you know, I don't really have any complaints with what Oregon's got on the field, but I really want to find out how the quarterback development go because it's like, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. The Oregon has one question on offense and really has had only one question on offense for any season that you want to look at in recent memory, which is like, is the quarterback going to consistently do his job? You know, and, since and, I've been around. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I realize I'm not saying anything that's any great re- revelation. Like every football team that has ever existed, you know, like has one fundamental question, which is, is the quarterback going to consistently do his job? But like, uh-huh. it is really, really, really true of Oregon. And unlike a lot of teams where it's like, even if they got consistent quarterback play, other aspects of their team is going to doom them. I don't think that's true of Oregon. I think that, you know, there were all the rest of the pieces are in place. They just need to get consistent quarterback play, you know, developed by a good quarterbacks coach. I hope they get it. I guess we'll find out. Well, I got to say that actually does make a whole lot of sense, a lot more than the vague conspiratorial, like Cristobal hates offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and let me so tell you this. Sabotaging the team. It's just like these the yeah. theories don't make any sense. Or the, or the theory that like, oh, Oregon was running the ball too much and running it ineffectively. It's like, no, both of those things are totally false. Well, yeah. all, all three of these sentiments are totally false. A, that Mario Cristobal was forcing them to run the ball too much. Like I doubt, I highly, I mean, I can't prove that one, but like I highly doubt it that he's like, he's running up to the box and smacking Joe Moorhead around. It's like, Joe, I order mm-hmm. you to call more run plays. Like, give me a break, yeah. guys. This is not how football works. B, they were not running it too much. It was very balanced offense. They were running it slightly more on first down, but that's appropriate. And C, they were uh, uh, highly effective, way more effective. In fact, there's, you know, I break down in my article, go read it. Uh, there are all these different situational words, like they're more effective running the ball on this down and distance and on this down and distance and on this down uh-huh. and distance. And in particular, lines third and mediums, third and shorts, like they mm-hmm. should be running the ball way more often than they were, not less, more. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, so, you know, the theory of like, oh, Mario Cristobal is forcing the team to only run, you know, the mm-hmm. running back into the linemen's butts. And that's why they they keep, you know, getting knocked off the field on third downs. Just like that so flies in the face of the data that it makes me want to pull my hair out. And now I should stop because if you get me going on like on <laughs> bad fan theory, I mean, there's literally an infinite number of incorrect fan theories. So like, I, you know, don't get me started. Yeah. It's an infinite number of hours of this podcast talking about those. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, you could make it to some, I'm just saying some like 
Oh, the most listened to Miami sports talk radio. Hithleday, they would love to talk to you right now. Not because you're sounding like a Chris Ball Homer, but because you, you got a theory that sounds pretty freaking great to Hurricanes fan right now. I mean, I, I, I can't uh, make any promises <laughs> about how Miami is going to perform because I don't know how Ponce is going to oh, do yeah. as a quarterbacks coach. I don't know. Or really, I know nothing about Miami's roster. Like, I don't, don't, don't construe this as an endorsement of, you know, oh, Miami's going to go to the playoffs. And, you know, and if they don't, then that means that he, Italy was totally wrong about that. It's like, I, you know, I'm not making that prediction. I'm saying, I guess I, here is a hypothetical, which we'll never get to explore because we don't get to access to that universe. But if Mario Cristobal brings literally everything that he did at Oregon, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that fans believe about him, the timeout usage, all the stuff, all the bad stuff that fans think mm-hmm. about Mario Cristobal and all the good stuff that even the, the detractors will admit, you know, he's a good recruiter, good roster manager, et cetera. If he brings everything that he did at Oregon to Miami and changes one thing and one thing only, which is that he gets a good quarterbacks coach, then they should, they should be successful pretty quickly, you know, uh, you know, pretty much right away. Uh, now Makes I sense. can't, I can't guarantee that that is what is going to happen, but if it did and they fix that and that alone, yeah, yeah, that should be pretty effective. Well, I got this good quote for us too, for future shows. Yikes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, now it's out in the ether. We've got you quoted. Miami's going to the playoffs. If it happens though, we're coming back to here and don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about, I mean, it's something we've talked about a lot and, and this is kind of that same vein of like, uh, looking at the post Cristobal era and being like, okay, do we know any more about this? Obviously, we've talked about uh, a position that he knows a ton about, the O-line and the kind of experimentation, which is very unique to Cristobal so far of having, you know, like an eight-man rotation that you were regularly rotating, going into games, planning on rotating it. And not only that, but having players play inside outside in in your opinion in the article uh saying that a lot of those a lot of players playing in positions that they probably are not best suited for like their yeah their um, body types is just like yeah that dude is built like because guards and tackles sort of have an ideal body type you know guards are a little squatter and and you know uh tackles have you know longer arms yeah they sort of recognize the body types and yeah they're sort of flipping them around yeah and and so I, I guess I, I'm kind of, it got me really excited, uh, not only because you were highlighting a few specific players that uh, you thought were playing, you know, pretty well for all the chaos of this last season, but also because just thinking about like, okay, getting away from the Cristobal experimentation, it seems like a pretty nice season next year. Like next season for the O-line for Oregon, could that be the best O-line in the Pac-12 potentially? I know there's, there's a <laughs> low lot bar, man. Low bar, man. Low bar. It's a yes. very good point. <laughs> uh, uh, as you phrase that question, yes, obviously. It, it, mm-hmm. it potentially could be the best offensive line in the Pac-12. Like, it. It, the the fact that they were doing all those rotations and stuff, you know, really makes it sort of difficult to project what exactly will happen because, I mean, if this were a normal offensive line, right, if they had these five starters who were returning and they played the same position, you know, you know, every snap and they were simply returning, uh, you know, to the next year with a year's more experience and they were, you know, they were, let's say, an A minus last year, and I would just sort of incrementally bump them up. Well, they should probably be an A or an A plus next year. Uh, but that's, you know, not the world we live in. We live in a world in which they were doing cr- crazy rotations and guards playing tackles and cats living with dogs and and you know, like <laughs> uh, the so 
I it's difficult to project because like, okay, was that stuff hindering them? And now with those, you know, Harrison Bergeron weights lifted from their arms and legs that they will now be the, you know, the greatest offensive line you've ever seen. Or was that kind of rotation, was that necessary for them to perform at the level that they did? And now without the, you know, mad genius Alex Mirabal, you know, doing those things and a mere mortal and Adrian Clem coaching them, you know, maybe they'll regress like, and they won't perform because that was the secret you know ingredient now they don't have it like i don't know dude like i Mm -hmm. you know it's really hard to make that projection like uh, you know i expect simply because you know they're experienced they're pretty good they're they have the right dimensions for it like that it should be an offensive line you know a good offensive line uh you know it's not you know i highly doubt even though i think adrian Clem is sort of a questionable you know track record of developing offensive line I mean, these guys are pretty much as developed as they're you know they've already yeah. you know it's not like he's getting a bunch of true freshmen and has to mold them into a line right like that's not what we're talking about for 2022 we might find out how you know if he's no good at that down the line but that's not the 2022 question the 2022 question is okay you've got you know five six seven bodies who are very experienced please put them on the line and let them do their thing you know which like hard to imagine that he interferes in a destructive way so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i am excited about that and then uh i mean everyone knew what the problem was at linebacker and so inside linebacker okay Oh yeah, sorry. I'm pretty quick here. No, <laughs> but it does. It, inside linebacker, like that, I'm excited to see. You know, everyone come back. Hopefully, fully uh, healthy core. Um, but the defensive backs, that part was I thought was really interesting. The article. A lot of times you were saying like, you know, we, we weren't seeing these players until, you know, like uh, some were declaring for the NFL and we still only saw them in a bowl game. And so how much we can get out of that? Yeah. A lot of players were injured very early on after some promise. But uh, so so specifically the defensive backs, uh, how are you feeling after this last season? Like, did you feel like a huge it was a it was a tough year, like you said. But um, I mean, I didn't think the defensive backs were the. Well, let me back up a little bit more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oregon's defense, all things considered, did pretty well. Um, They, you know, they they performed at a playoff caliber in two of the six metrics that I follow. They performed above average at the other four. You know, above average isn't good enough to win a championship, but it's not bad. Um, You know, for all all the Ducks fans who are like, this is the worst defense I've ever seen, you have to remember that there are some schematic and structural choices being made in terms of like, so for example, the rush defense, their their rush defense efficiency number was pretty bad. Like it was just barely above average. On the other hand, their rush explosion numbers, like they were limiting, you know, outside of garbage time, you know, posing uh, running running backs like, you know, under four yards a carry, which is a really good number. I know in raw stats, that's not a phenomenal number, but raw stats have a hard time tracking garbage time. Uh, And in terms of like allowing explosive runs of 10 yards or more, they were very, very good. Um, You know, like this defense, despite the big problems that it had in terms of the inside linebacker injuries and, uh, you know, frankly, I just think some problems throughout the safety unit, like was doing what they were supposed to be doing. It's just, it doesn't feel that way. You know, when you're giving up, you know, four or five yard runs, you know, at will, um, you know, just get, get off the field where, they ran into problems were number one, their first down pass defense was poor. 
uh, which is a surprise. Um, the, 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 that was really, you know, that was really something where I thought that structurally this defense should have been doing a better job at was stopping passes on first down. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem with that is this defense was leads me to the second thing, which is that these, this defense was way more path dependent on first down performance than the 2019 defense was um, 2019. They were pretty good. They might dig themselves a hole, but then they were pretty good at getting themselves out of a hole, both on second and third downs when it was like second and medium or third and short Oregon's defense in 2019 did actually fairly well. Like you're sort of behind the eight ball there, but like they, they were still getting off the field at a respectable rate. uh, You know, at that point in 2021, not so like if you won on first down and set up second and medium, you were going to win on second and medium and set up third and short. And if the, you, and, and Oregon was just like terrible at third and short, just like the, they were giving up third and short every single time. And, and the primary reason why they were getting put in that. So, they, you know, they're bad at digging themselves out of holes and they were getting themselves put into holes uh, on, on first down pass defense. And then the other thing is that like, they were not good in the red zone, like 2019, mm. 2019, they were about 55% effective in between the 80s, but then 65% effective in the red zone, which like, that's a really good number, right? Like, and it meant, you know, those Avalos defenses, like, yeah, you could sort of get down the field, but then they'd really bow up in the, in the red zone, right? Like you were not coming away with a touchdown. Oregon in 2021 had pretty much the same effectiveness rate between the 80s. Um, But then there's like, okay, we're in the red zone, time to bow up. And they did the opposite. They got worse in the red zone. They were, you know, a little, you know, they were, I think around 50%. And and like they were giving up touchdowns, like at about seven percentage points more often. Um, Like it was bad. Like that's, you know, that was really the deal. And so what that comes down to Yes, it's the defensive backs. And I know you asked me about the defensive backs. When you break down, you know, where the problems are in those specific things that I mentioned, which are Mm -hmm. first down pass defense, red zone defense, and third and short defense. Those are the three, you know, really problematic uh, areas. They're not the defensive backs issues. Um, They're the inside linebackers issues. All three of them, it's the inside linebackers that are letting Oregon down. Um, uh, or I shouldn't phrase it that way because it's not really their fault because there were so many injuries, yeah. right? Like, you know, they had a, a true freshman, a, two true freshmen, a walk-on. I mean, it's just like crazy how bad the, in, the inside linebacker, you know, situation was. And every, for those three things that I mentioned, again, first down pass defense, it's those crosser routes against the inside linebackers. That's what was killing them. Yeah. Um, the, Anyone who was watching the game, like, recognizing exactly how often that was happening yeah third and (laughs) third and short well you know the defensive line is doing their job they're they're preventing it from becoming a big run you know they're squeezing it down enough but the running back would sort of pop through and that's where the inside linebacker's job is to like to if it's third and short and they're running the ball you have to get a tackle for loss right you can't Mm -hmm. just let them get two yards and then you know prevent them from getting any further you have to get in there and that's what the inside linebackers for Oregon were not doing on third and short because there's problems there and then the red zone defense it's because the you know what what happens when the when the, the field constricts in the red zone is that now your inside linebackers have a much easier job, uh, 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 you know, doing all the things that they're supposed to be able to do. Well, guess what? They weren't, you know, very effective at doing those in the red zone in 2021. All it just, I mean, you know, I really sort of sounds like a broken record, but really that, you know, Oregon had this horrible injury problem at inside linebacker and, and, 
and statistically you can trace out the ways that that you know killed them and even though you know defensive backs yes i think is a problem area in particular like um bennett williams getting hurt is no good other than yeah. bennett williams stan um uh, jamal hill uh is good for his role but he's just not fast enough you know so when he gets put in coverage there's some problems there steve stevens i sort of think had a had a disappointing year and it's not just one thing it's just like you know it's it's every it's coverage it's tackling it's leverage it's just like this dude really needs to step up his game and then it's sort of injury problems and in absences and you know the recruiting hasn't been as good as it should have been that you know uh, there's lots of problems with the defensive backs but if you actually break down like where are the problems where where's oregon actually not getting it done like where the rubber meets the road it's not the dbs really it it's the ILBs and that was an injury related issue. And so if they get healthy, you know, kind of, it's a problem that could fix itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, so, I mean, overall, I know you're not, uh, what are your plans in addictive quack so far looking into, cause it, I mean, I'm having this trouble, uh, on quack 12 myself, but like, Looking at the, you know, future defenses, is it mainly you just looking at each individual uh, coach, just looking at their history and then just being like, and then I'm going to wait about one year and hopefully we have like, uh, what well, are you, how are you preparing you can't yourself? can't evaluate yeah. the 2022 film until the 22 season is played. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, right now what I'm doing is writing, um, film study articles about the, you know, cause it's a totally new staff, right? Like, a, you know, yeah. and, and right. so I'm pulling up the film of where these guys have coached before. And like the, 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 the defensive staff is really interesting because like all of these guys are sort of, they're not exactly off of the same tree, but mm-hmm. th- it, there is a coherent defensive philosophy. It's a tight front or, or, or the, the Alabama Georgia version of it. They call it a mint front. It's, that's nah, too much of a technical distinction to get into. Read my articles. Um, but essentially, <laughs> um, it's it uh, the I. The, first of all, it's fairly similar to what Tim DeRuiter's structure is, and so even though there are some philosophical differences, like it, for anybody who like Tim DeRuiter gave you hives, like don't totally panic yet. But like I'm just saying that like the positions map onto. The, the the positions that Lanning and company will inherit at Oregon, you know, those dudes map onto their defense just fine. There shouldn't be any sort of like personnel transition problems in that regard. But like for anybody who thinks like, oh, he just grabbed all the young recruiters he could find and was just like, I don't care how good you are schematically or what you want to do. I'm not even going to listen to your input at all. Uh, it's my defense because I just won a national championship and you guys just go recruit. You know, for anybody who thinks that's the situation, I don't really don't think that's the situation at all. I think he actually very thoughtfully composed this staff because they all have experience in a very similar specific defensive structure, which is this tight front. Um you know, so I, I just, you know, I just published an article about the co-DC slash safeties coach, Matt Powledge. He was at Baylor um, with Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts. Um, and, and like, it's tight, like it's all the same. Like I, I, I look at the Alabama film that Tosh LePoy was calling in 2018. And then I flip on the Baylor tape and it's like, oh, this is the same defense, except there's a variation about how they use the safeties. And ooh, it's Matt Powledge's safeties. That's why Dan Lanning went out and got him, you know? And then I turn nice. on um, the Tony Tuyati uh, film. He's the defensive line coach. He was the defensive line coach for Cal in 2018. Remember that Cal defense that we were all losing our, our, our minds 
over, you know, because they had that really good defensive line, particularly the really good nose guard, because they on those downs were playing a tight front and then you go flip on he went to nebraska for the last three years you flip on the nebraska tape well they their bait or their their most common in the defensive structure is actually two four five that's eric chenander who you know oregon fans may remember uh but when the opposing offense brings out 12 personnel what do they switch to they switch to a three down tight front and you can see the defensive line winning out of the tight. it's just like you know, I am catching up on this stuff three months after Dan Lanning did because he's a better defensive coordinator than I am. I, mm-hmm. I, I should hope so. <laughs> um, but like I am figuring out 90 days after Dan Lanning did why Dan Lanning assembled this particular staff. Um, Which is great to hear uh, just, just because, like you said, how many people were thinking like, oh, so he's just going to recruit and he's just picking the the best recruiters and that's all he cares about. It's it's like, really no, nice re- to hear. I, yeah. I really think you know, like, you know, it wasn't just like, well, I just need to get, you know, everybody who's familiar with the system too. like it's each of these guys has sort of a different variation on this. It's like it, it, I, I would love to be a fly in the wall on the defensive staff meetings to be like, you know, what are we going to do with the safeties? Like we did this at Alabama and Georgia, but at Baylor, you know, in Louisiana, Matt Powledge, you were doing this with the safety and you just coached the big 12 defensive player of the year who just lit up the senior bowl, um, uh, Jalen Petrie, right? Like, so maybe we do something a little different with the nickel than we were doing at Georgia and now, or Tosh was doing at Alabama and like, Hey, what if, uh, you know, you know, we love going to a dime package, you know, a two down package on third and long. Like, what if we did that on second and medium? Like, you know, Tony, you at Nebraska were doing a lot of that. Like, what, and at Cal as well. Like, what do we, you know, how would we make that work? Like, oh man, like, uh, boy, I know I'm kind of geeking out here, but like, I would really love to hear those meetings because it's like, it's, it, yes, they're sort of all in the same system. And so obviously that's thoughtful, but the, they're sort of like, the, each of them are sort of like bringing different spices to the pot, you know, like, you know, I, I, I really think that he wants to geek out about defensive theory. Like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it could be very interesting. Um, could be very, very interesting. Hell yeah. I love to hear it. And speaking of very, very interesting, please once again, go to addicted to quack.com. Uh, you can find them on Twitter as well at addicted to quack. You can also find our dear guest Hithloday on Twitter at Hithloday one H Y T H L O D A Y the number one. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds super interesting. As always, I'm going to read every one of these articles. Um, you know, we're to end this bad boy to end this article. I wanted to go around the horn really quick. Uh, kind of weird timing, but the Oscars are nearing. I wanted to get everybody's best picture in their head whatever whatever you thought the best damn movie you saw within the last year i'll I'll really quickly say this one i loved it so much uh malignant is a bonkers bonkers scary movie um it's a true freaking b movie i don't want to spoil any of the twists but it is just probably the weirder movie I, I've, I've seen in, I, I can't remember how long. It's based in Seattle. I kind of liked that, watching all the scary stuff happen in Seattle. And uh, the gore and the graphics and just the zany-ass script. I love every single minute of it. That's on HBO Max. Could not recommend that enough, especially if you're just looking for something real zany and weird. Aaron, do you have one off the top of your head? I know I, I, I just threw this at you. I just, I just love this little fodder. Doesn't sound great. Movie that I watched recently was Raising Arizona. 
Well, my all-time favorite movies. That'll be your 20. That's your Oscar pick then for this year. Raising Arizona. Fantastic. Coen so Brothers far, movie. every movie released in 2022 or whatever year they're doing it from. Yeah, I don't even remember. Shit, in my opinion. They all yeah. suck. Well, I watched and that Spider-Man movie. Now. There was a lot of Spider-Man in that Spider-Man movie. I'll I mean, what are you going to do? You're, yeah, you're just going to pick between a whole bunch of Marvel movies and then <laughs> throw in an A24 documentary yeah. and you're good. Or horror. Yeah, some A24 kind of like <laughs> new wave. Who gives a yeah, shit, horror. bro? <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, you see anything recently, any any kind of movie that you, you're just crazy about? Um, well, of the 10 that were nominated for best picture in my opinion the best was uh drive my car the the japanese i film. keep hearing about that i uh, really want to check it out that was really good i, I don't know I, I i think this is a weak year i've probably for yeah. you know covid related reasons um you know uh, kenneth braun as belfast got got uh nominated you know like it feels like you know ireland's number one export is movies about how much ireland sucks uh, <laughs> yeah. and that movie is very much of a, like, I, I love Kenneth Branagh is like a big part of my, my film history, but like, it's, it's a beautifully shot black and white movie about how Ireland sucks. I'm just like, I, I've seen this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, code is about, you know, child of death parent. Um, you know, it's like, we, we did that movie last year. Uh, it was about a musician, yeah. you know, like, uh, 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 uh Dune I, was very what? enjoyable. Dallas, Dennis Villeneuve is, you know, always, but I don't know. I suck or, I'm a sucker I for was, Dune. You know, if anybody is, yeah, that shocks anybody. <laughs> I don't know why it would. I was this nerd really, loves Dune? Yeah, just right. last night. I was like, wake me up when, they're done with all the dune movies and then i'll watch it because uh well i i, I like the dune i'm a fan of the of dune the book um and i i like the dune movie as well um, well i mean they didn't do cool. the four hour alan smithy um you know yeah. david lynch version they they i think wisely broke it up into two um and then exactly. like uh I don't know, Spider. You know, I I enjoyed the most recent Spider-Man movie. I, I enjoyed all the a lot you know, of Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, actually, what that made me think of was the 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 two I think previous Spider-Man movies, the animated one, the Miles Morales one. Oh, where yeah. Where they also you know did the, the you know the multiple Spider-Man you know stuff mm -hmm. like at the time. I was a little ticked off at the, you know, oh, look, here's Spider Pig and here's, you know, uh, 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 you know, here's the gun or the Josh the Jackson. You know, it's a, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, dude, I, you know, I really enjoyed the first 20 minutes of that movie, like Spider-Man in New York, like and, and specifically the Miles Morales version, like the like, you know, New York is a community of color, like and it was such a mm -hmm. and like it was both literally and figuratively a movie of color. And then it was like, let's see how many white people we can cram into it, you know and take away yeah. <laughs> you know, the focus from Miles Morales, who's like a really interesting character. And like uh -huh. I, I, at the end of that movie, I was like, I really just wanted a straight Miles Morales movie. And then this, this, the, the Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, uh, Andrew Garfield, you know, comes out and handles the multiverse so much better. Like in my opinion, um, you know, like just like integrating the plots of those movies and the villains of those movies in a way that's like it, it makes sense within Spider-Man's like, you know, with great power comes great, great responsibility that like, what does that mean in an infinite multiverse? Right. Like, and I was sort of thinking, I was contrasting it to Rick and Morty, right. Where like, you know, Rick Sanchez's in that shows his reaction to the infinity of the multiverse 
is total nihilism. None of this mm. matters because even if you make all the best choices in this universe, there's a literally infinite number of universes. And if you screw up in these universe, whatever, we'll just go inhabit some other. You will dig up some other universe where our the versions of ourselves died. We'll bury them in the backyard and we'll just re-inhabit that universe, right? Like he, his response is total nihilism. And Spider-Man's response to the infinity of the multiverse is infinite responsibility. Uh, you know, I have a responsibility to people who were trying to kill me and alternate versions of me to prevent them from going back to the universe in which they died. Like that's like the infinity of responsibility that Spider-Man is willing to, you know, take onto himself. It's like a super profound statement, right? Like, and, and so then I was even more angry at the Miles Morales movie for not being a straight Miles Morales movie for making a corny joke of the multiverse and having spider pig and bullshit in it instead of like the like the truly touching and powerful statement that they could have made, which they then later did make. That was my feelings about that movie. Like it was I like a good movie that it made another good movie look worse. Yeah, I like spider pig more in the Simpsons movie anyway. I'll say mm. that. Um so yeah, you sold me. Sure, why not? T- fucking Spider-Man, whatever. Uh, best picture, why not? We got, there's infinite universes where you know it Green Book two best picture, wins so best picture. So I want. Oh, that's a good point. In the multiverse, yeah. there is some universe in which it wins. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like Green Book four and Spider-Man and uh, Crash two. And they're all going against I, each other. I will <laughs> say of the 10 movies that are nominated, at least as far as I've gotten through them, uh, you know, no like super obnoxious tearjerker stuff like n- uh-huh. no. I haven't seen that one about the dog uh, or the, the power the dog of the dog the is not about dogs. Um, oh, well, I'm out then. Uh, but like there's no cr- like, oh, crash. Just just kill me like that <laughs> movie sucks so bad like uh <laughs> and there's a bunch of movies that suck real bad and get either nominated or sometimes win for the oscars and like i don't green I don't, book yeah yeah I don't, <laughs> I don't really yeah exactly i don't really see any of those movies here like the closest in my opinion is belfast but even then it's just like that was a pretty well-made movie i mean like kenneth Branagh instead of make a movie like uh i don't know licorice pizza is kind of it's cute but it's i want to see like, that it's yeah, it seems like it's just kind of a, a slice of life, if you will. I think King Richard uh, is kind of problematic, you know, in a variety of like it sort of like in, endorses abusive fatherhood. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, up? if it makes an athlete, I mean, yeah. well, okay, Malignant then. I, I recommend you watch Malignant, and then uh, I'll, if you want to email me and say, Adam, you were right, that's yeah, the best picture. Then. A horror movie should win best picture. It's the most fitting of the time. Uh, anyways, y'all, we got to end this thing. It's getting way too long. It's the most I'm glad fitting of the industry. Right? right. A vapid and hollow existence. <laughs> oh, living right. in Hollyweird. Aaron's <laughs> going on his anti-Hollywood rant. So that means it's the end of the show. Uh, speaking day, of a vapid and meaningless existence, uh, I understand there's a follow-up series to The Mandalorian in which Baby Yoda is not featured. I know. Uh, I can, there's yeah, shows like for Baby Yoda. It was a, such yeah. a, a unifying thing for the Oregon fan base, and and I know. And and there's been Baby no follow-up. But Baby Yoda was not in the Mandalorian. Or he? Well, yeah, he was. Yeah, no, he was. He's the main dude in the Mandalorian. You're thinking the book of Boba Fett? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. No, Mandalorian. That little fucker's name is like Grogu. Grogu. Yeah, yeah. but his name's Baby Yoda. Yeah, that, that feels like a real ball drop there. Like, <laughs> I that is insane. Where you're printing money by having a show with Baby Yoda, and then you end one of those goddamn seasons with Baby Yoda being like, "Okay, he's not going to be in it anymore." What's the point of living if there's no Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda deserves the Oscar, honestly. 
Uh, this is probably too expensive for the amount of money they made off of it. They made a lot of money. Is it, I mean, he's not just green. He makes that green. I mean, there's still oh. Oregon fans with Baby Yoda and a Justin Herbert jersey. You know, yeah. Like, that, that was the how iconic that character was. He won us the Rose Bowl. Skoda won oh, us the I, Rose Bowl. I didn't Bowl. even know that that was an association to the school. We definitely talked about it at the time, <laughs> but it wasn't two minutes well, ago, so you don't remember it. Yeah. Well, uh, go Ducks. Uh, bye. We love you. See you next week. <laughs> right. Take care, everybody.